You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and I also happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, I invite you to reflect with me as I work to demystify the tarot and the human experience, all while exploring tarot's connection to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. So grab your cards and join me as I work to create a pathway to better understand ourselves and those around us. I am so excited about this episode. I ended up taking a week off from recording for a handful of reasons, but one of them was I really wanted to spend some more time thinking about how I wanted to explore the hermit because I found the more time I spent with it, the more I was kind of changing my thoughts. (laughs) And so I felt like I really needed to find some clarity. And it's been a really fun adventure that the hermit has taken me on. And you'll, you'll see that throughout the episode, there's, I mean, it's really an entire episode about internal family systems and the self, (laughs) but it's fascinating that that's where I went with this card and it just felt like home. So I hope that you all kind of experience that, that same feeling, that sense of, oh, like this feels like home. I've been lucky to have a lot of really replenishing and nourishing conversations with folks both on and off the podcast lately. And there, there seems to have been this quiet theme among all of the discussions I've been having. And that theme kept kind of guiding me towards the hermit which was exciting from a synchronistic perspective because I've been preparing to talk about the hermit on the podcast. And there was one conversation I had in particular with a podcast listener actually a few days ago, and we were talking about life and aging and relationships. It was such a fulfilling conversation that I'm so grateful for. So if you're listening, just thank you so much because you made an impact on me. And something that this person had had mentioned was um, they were listening to the Siangian Life podcast where one of the hosts had mentioned that the first 50 years of life are about finding our place in the world and the second 50 are about finding our place within ourselves. And that sentiment really stopped me in my tracks because it just deeply resonated with how I had been feeling And it's interesting because I'm not 50, but I certainly feel like I'm in that midlife range where I'm still searching for my place in the world. But at the same time, I've also never felt closer to having found my place in the world than I do currently. And then I'm also very much in this process of finding my place within myself. It's been... It's been a humbling experience. It's been a replenishing experience. And honestly, one that I feel very lucky to be having at this point in my life. And thinking about this intersection between finding our place in the world and finding our place within ourselves just feels very much aligned with the energy within the archetype of the hermit. And because I've also been doing a lot of personal, internal family systems and parts work, both inside and outside of my own therapy, 
there has been this big emphasis on the concept of the true self lately. And the true self is a huge component of IFS. In fact, I realized recently in my own therapy that I've been able to tap into and access my true core self more lately than ever before. And it was really empowering to discover that because, you know, it is a major goal of IFS and parts work. And it really highlights that intersection of finding our place in the world and finding our place within ourselves because I think we start to experience our true core self when we stop trying to fit into the world or fit into the expectations of societal boxes that we constantly feel so pressured to fit within. So I, of course, then was thinking about how the true self would be represented in the tarot and just the, I just kept landing on the hermit. Everything just seemed to be aligning with the hermit lately. And even just thinking about IFS and the true self, I just kept going back to, oh, this is the hermit. And it's funny because uh, <laughs> in, a ther- in my own personal therapy session, we were doing some parts work and I was explaining a personal experience to my therapist and you know, she had asked me if while I was having this experience, if I felt any of these particular emotions. And then she started listing things like calm, connected, confident, courageous. And I, <laughs> I stopped her and I was like, wait, are you listing the eight C's of the self? <laughs> Which the eight C's are an IFS concept directly related to the true self. And I'm going to get into it later in the podcast. But so I asked her, wait, are you just listing off the eight C's? <laughs> and we both laughed. And of course she said she was. And, you know, this is kind of <laughs> as an aside, but this is one of the positive, I guess, and both negative sides of being a therapist in therapy is sometimes you're really in the moment and able to step outside of your role as a therapist and really be present. And sometimes it's inevitable that you can't and you immediately recognize what's going on. But it was it was still a great moment for me because that's when I realized I was having more and more experiences embodying my true self, which was liberating and comforting to see. I feel like I need to take a moment to explain what exactly the true core self is that I that I I've, I've been talking about a lot because I know when I hear other people use certain terms without explaining them I, I get annoyed because it all sounds so elusive. So the the creator of internal family systems Richard Schwartz describes the self as our core essence, a calm, compassionate center within us. He views it as the source of our creativity, our wisdom, and that our self has this innate capacity for healing. He believes the self is not bound by time, that it's essentially unburdened by any of the traumas and limitations of our past and unencumbered by the anxieties of our future. And he believes that in essence, it's the embodiment of our highest, most authentic form. And it's interesting because we'll get into this later when I talk about the eight C's of the self, um, but I've even just mentioned one of them, which was a sense of calmness. And whenever I think of or see the hermit, I immediately experience a sense of calmness. You know how the cards all tend to elicit this visceral or emotional reaction within us? I like the five of wands, for example, that's usually a big one or the hierophant. Those are cards I tend to feel defensive around or feel this like urge to protect myself. But 
the hermit feels like stepping into this kind of warm, cozy cabin and curling up with a blanket. It's it's this feeling of true contentment. In IFS, in order to access this true core self or our inner hermit, a lot of that work involves a concept of unblending, which is basically being able to step back and look at all of our various parts and examine what they mean, where they come from, and when they tend to take over. It's it's really similar to that purposeful pause that I often talk about. And then once we've been able to unblend, then we are able to see and access our true self. And it's important to remember that our, our true self isn't just another part, it just is. And then when the parts all feel safe enough to unblend, that's when we have this kind of wash of a profound healing experience or this, this overwhelming calmness that occurs. And then it's almost like the gates open <laughs> and we're able to kind of step into or finally access the, the true essence of who we are. And I feel like this is kind of leading me into a concept of solitude, which is a term that is very commonly attributed to the hermit. And, you know, because when we think of the hermit, not only do we think of solitude, but we also think of this experience of an inner retreat. And I think this retreat is is not just physical isolation, but an intentional turning inward turning inward and then away from the distractions of the physical world. I feel like it's this idea of maybe an intentional withdrawal from any of the distractions that we experience day to day or even just the greater distractions of the world around us. And it's being able to sink into deeper layers of our own consciousness and our own wisdom and I think it's through this type of solitude and the inevitable reflection that comes along with it that we're able to embark on an introspective journey to, to explore how dynamic and complex our, our inner landscapes are. And it's important to note, too, that this is all happening without judgment. And then if judgment does take place... It's very meditative and very Buddhist of me to say this right now, but to notice that the judgment is occurring and then find out, well, hold on, what part is maybe taking over then? Maybe what part isn't unblended? What part is maybe stepping into this the hermit space and figure out why is this judgment occurring? Because then it's hard to really hang out in that inner retreat of solitude if if there is judgment. And I feel like in this space, we can begin to identify and engage with, you know, any sort of internal parts that are making up our internal world and really get to know them and get to know also our true self without any sort of distraction or or really, I think the term I want to use is attachment. Without attachment to our different parts or attachment to different narratives or stories or perceptions that we have of ourselves or that we think other people have of us. It's interesting because the more I was reflecting on the hermit and the more I I kept finding the overlap between internal family systems and the hermit, you know, for, for example, like the IFS framework, the goal is often to identify our inner parts and then, you know, learn how to unblend in order to experience our true self. And with the hermit, 
that archetype is really encouraging us to take moments of, again, solitude and introspection to gain clarity about our inner world. There's so many similarities just between those two descriptions. And IFS teaches us to listen to and understand any of the motivations or fears of our inner parts. And then the hermit suggests that by shedding light, holding that lantern up to some of our innermost thoughts or experiences and desires, then we have the opportunity to reconcile any sort of opposing forces or aspects of our personality or, or, or parts, really. So ultimately, both IFS and the hermit emphasize the importance of this internal wisdom and this internal groundedness and almost this internal organization. I also found that the quest to integrate with or find the self in both the hermit and IFS also really mirrors the esoteric path of inner integration and transcendence. And on that particular esoteric journey, you know, we tend to work towards confronting any sort of fragmented aspects of our ego self and and work towards harmonizing these fragments so that we can feel whole and unified. For example, in Rene Guénon's esoteric teachings, the journey inward is described as being illuminated by our inner light of consciousness. And we could even look at the lantern held by the hermit as the symbolism of our inner consciousness. By nurturing this inner light and literally holding it out in front of us as a guiding source, we're better able to navigate our internal and external landscape. And by doing this, we naturally allow ourselves to access our true self. In both esoteric and psychological scenarios, this journey involves confronting our shadows and integrating those fragmented parts I was talking about and really working towards understanding how complex and dynamic we really are. Something I really appreciate about the energy of the hermit is this kind of inherent encouragement to examine both our current state and past state without any sort of attachment to specific parts or specific scenarios or experiences. There's a clarity to this archetype in terms of representing the true self that doesn't really exist when you're only embodying one of your other parts, like your protector part, for example. And I just realized I even used the word clarity because that is also one of the eight C's that eventually I'll get to. Um, So, I mean, you know, this is similar to the work I've done, even with pairing the pages as wounded and healthy versions of our inner child, for example. And actually talking about the eight C's again, one of them, one of the eight C's is also curiosity. So, Like if you have a wounded inner page of swords where you were maybe reprimanded for asking too many questions as a child, you learned that it was not safe to be curious. So your protector part might swoop in and stop you from asking questions now and instead make you feel like you have to figure everything out on your own. Whereas our true core self is naturally curious. And you'll know when you're accessing your true self, when you find that you are able to be confidently calm while also being curious. From a therapeutic lens, identifying and connecting with the self is a vital step toward healing and self-integration. The true core self cannot be damaged and it is the central force of our healing. It's the space from which we are able to truly grow. 
And I like to think of it as our core, this centered, grounded space within us that when I might visualize it, it's like a sphere, almost like a planet in the, <laughs> and where all of our parts don't infiltrate, but actually orbit around it. So I, I find myself kind of naturally wanting to come back to this idea of finding our place within ourselves, because I believe this to be the real core archetypal energy of the hermit, finding our place within ourselves. I think that idea really is this true personal magic in its purest form because it's without external influence, external pressure or expectation. The hermit lacks any sort of desire or urgency to live the life that others expect or to exist as others exist or compete with others people's successes or try to avoid failure. The hermit understands that these experiences are are all integral aspects of the human, human experience and human life journey. But in hermit form, they bear no weight, they bear no value. So I feel like I should probably talk about these eight C's that I've been alluding to throughout the episode. So one of the most important aspects of accessing or experiencing our true self in regards to internal family systems is this idea of the eight C's, which are compassion, curiosity, courage, clarity, creativity, connection, confidence, and calmness. So something that I think might be fun, and this is something you all can do alongside me as you're listening, is I want to pick really all of the C's. (laughs) This might take a little bit, but I want to pick each one and pull a card to explore what it would look like or how this card is encouraging us or allowing us to embody each of the eight C's within the IFS framework. I feel like by pulling a card, it allows it to be a little bit more of a personal experience for for each of us. And, you know, even just hearing this list, like compassion, curiosity, courage, clarity, creativity, connectedness, confidence, and, and calmness, those words can really lack depth. And it can be overwhelming if we're just looking at them and thinking, okay, well, how the hell am I supposed to experience those things? Like compassion, for example, that's already incredibly hard or what do you mean connectedness? What do you mean clarity? So I think pulling a card here, speaking of clarity, will give us some clarity on on what these mean and how we can kind of embody these experiences. Per usual, I'm using Tarot Vintage. And I'm going to pull first for the concept of calmness. So we have the Queen of Pentacles. The Queen of Pentacles for calmness is actually really fitting because it's about achieving a sense of tranquility and balance in both body and mind, regardless of what's happening around us. So it's it's about being able to react to environmental environmental triggers with a type of measured response and working towards avoiding any sort of like knee-jerk reaction to something. So it's it's really kind of resisting an urge or resisting reactivity. And it's also a resistance to the fight or flight instinct when confronted with any sort of threat or discomfort, which 
I actually think is really beautifully portrayed within the energy of the Queen of Pentacles. So I love this card for calmness. Next, we're going to pull for curiosity. Page of Wands. So I feel like the Page of Wands and curiosity are actually beautiful together. One, because I always associate any of the pages with curiosity. But I feel like with the Page of Wands specifically, this is about allowing space for our inherent desire for for knowledge, whether about a particular subject, a situation, a person, or even ourselves. The Page of Wands is, I think, nurturing a sense of awe and wonder for the world, how it works, and everything that's kind of happening around it. And it's really about demonstrating genuine interest and, again, curiosity without judgment. So it's walking into something with kind of like a, a, cl- a clear, clean slate and being eager to take notes on what's going on. Next, we're going to pull for compassion. Three of Cups. Ooh, this is actually really great for compassion. So Three of Cups for compassion is about wholeheartedly connecting with others without this desire or compulsion to change or fix or honestly even avoid. It's it's being able to find and conjure this intuitive awareness about the experience of others, including the suffering of others, that that still impacts us just because we are so connected and because we are so communal naturally. And at the same time, this card reminds us that compassion is also about being able to harbor empathy and the belief that individuals, including ourselves, have the potential to heal their suffering when they're able to and create space to discover their true selves. Next, we're going to pull for clarity. Another page. So the page of cups here with clarity, I feel like is representing the desire to search for or increase our capacity to work towards perceiving and understanding situations objectively, free from the distortion of extreme beliefs and emotions, that all or nothing thinking, high reactivity again, and then maintaining that objectivity and embracing or cultivating an open mind, being unprejudiced, having the ability to hold space for and welcome diverse possibilities. All right, moving on to connectedness. Queen of Swords. (laughs) I would not typically think of the Queen of Swords for connectedness. So this might, this might come from more of like if I had pulled this reversed, but but I think I can work with the Queen of Swords because (laughs) connectedness at its core is about experiencing a deeper sense of belonging, especially with larger groups and, and not feeling isolated. It could be you know, working on a team or being a part of a specific community or organization. And connectedness is really about finding our purpose and feeling 
like our purpose and our, our ability to really live goes beyond just the daily grind. And I think the, the Queen of Swords comes in here because it, this is about engaging in authentic relationships where we truly understand and accept our authentic selves along with the authentic selves of others. And it's about being able to, to lay down our defenses and feel secure in our own knowledge that our own knowledge or even desire and feeling of lack of judgment from others. Because I think it is, I think connectedness and, and our desire to, to be connected to others and even to ourself is often marred by a fear of judgment or fear of control or not being in control. And I think the Queen of Swords here is really saying, yes, this is a protective nature because it's, it's difficult looking at connectedness through the Queen of Swords because I view personally the Queen of Swords as my protector archetype. So this is definitely tough for me right now. But, you know, the Queen of Swords is so confident and... I feel like not only is she confident in her ability to truly kind of understand and organize her own thoughts and feelings, but also be able to delegate and give other people the opportunity to do the same and hold space for that. So maybe this connectedness is about feeling confident in ourselves to mend any sort of misunderstandings that may arise when we find ourselves in a larger group or team or community. Because I think that is often a fear that holds us back from truly being connected is being misunderstood. That was a tough one. (laughs) Curious what you all would would say about Queen of Swords for connectedness, because I feel like I'm a little biased there. (laughs) All right, moving on to creativity. Ooh, temperance. Okay. So creativity and temperance, those those two ideas actually go really well together because the idea of creativity in the eight seas is about harnessing, you know, our power and ability to generate original ideas. And when we bring temperance in, it's about attaining a flow state where we can be spontaneously expressive. And there's almost this effortlessness that, that comes with that spontaneity. And then that experience brings us an experience of joy. And I feel like temperance and creativity are also about cultivating the ability to generate new ideas, innovative solutions, and this idea of continuous learning because of the flow of the water, the the one foot in water, one foot on on dry land. So I actually really love this card for creativity. Okay, next we have courage. Ooh, death. We got the death card for courage. I think this makes sense though. So I'm going to look at the death card and courage as maybe demonstrating a sense of resilience, especially when we are faced with challenges or a threat or a fear. And there's a willingness to take action inherent in the death card, because I think a lot of times we, we view ourselves as the people who are afraid and on the ground. We don't tend to view ourselves as either the horse or the person on the horse or even the flag or anything else that's happening in this card. And 
you know, with courage, we need to be able to be ambitious and, you know, identify and work towards the goals that we have that that bring us joy that, you know, might seem daunting at times. I think another component here, though, that is also an interesting component of courage is that sometimes courage is not just about our goals. It's also about being able to acknowledge that we, at some point in our lives, have harmed other people or or caused other people pain. And I think it takes courage to take full responsibility for that and make amends in order to transform the relationship. So the death card's actually pretty fitting here too. And it's it's really it's really giving this energy of introspection and confrontation, not just to our own pain or or goals or responsibility but also to the people around us. So I feel like courage and death are are multifaceted here. And I may be talking about two things at the same time. So hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) All right, moving on to the last one. We made it through all eight C's almost. (laughs) The last one is confidence. Okay, the two of wands. So confidence is pretty self-explanatory. So if we if we look at confidence through the lens of the two of wands, there's this ability to remain fully engaged in any situation that's in front of us and know that we can handle or fix <laughs> whatever may happen. And it's almost like having this idea of, you know, whatever happens, happens. It, it's going to be okay. There's there's going to be a solution or there's going to be on to the next type of, of viewpoint. And also knowing that we're inevitably going to screw up and mistakes are an essential part of living and we can learn valuable lessons from the mistakes that we make. And the energy of the two of wands is very much about not giving up. And I think being able to harness confidence is knowing that, yeah, things are going to get uncomfortable and things might not always go the way I intend, but I can always see what happens next or I can learn from what happened now and take that with me onto the next journey. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com. 